Hi, I'm Joe Churin. Welcome to 630 Naperville. This episode just might be the best one yet. So glad to have you with us. On this program, we'll discover what food is best for Fido, discuss the top graduation gift for your high school senior, and learn how to keep everyone safe this summer. But first, we'll head to Knock Knowles for another Park Ed to explore the many benefits of volunteerism. Hi, I'm Samira Luthman with the Naperville Park District, and welcome to Park It. Today, I'm at the beautiful Knock Knowles Nature Center, and I'm joined by volunteer and events manager, Becca Kraskowski. Becca and I are talking about the importance of volunteerism and the impact that it has on a vibrant community like Naperville. Welcome, Becca. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. So a lot of community-based organizations rely on volunteers. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important and what volunteers bring to different community organizations? Definitely. So volunteerism is extremely important, especially for community-based organizations, because they rely on the time, the extra hands, and the commitment of each of the volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of community-based organizations are lacking resources or are short on resources, specifically staff. Yes. Sure. So volunteers are extremely important, um, and when they're more eager to help towards a cause that they're interested in, um, you will find a higher number of volunteers willing to um, help with that organization. That makes sense. And I know that volunteers also take something away from their experiences. It's not just what the organizations receive. Talk a little bit about some of the benefits and some of the takeaways that volunteers realize. Sure, so volunteers can benefit in many ways. Um, I think most causes that a volunteer would be willing to participate in is something that has a special connection to them. Um, so all the more reason for them to volunteer and participate. Um, it gives them the opportunity to become closer with their community and meet new people. I think that's um, a great way to become more involved. Um, and then of course to gain new skills, whether it's something challenging or maybe something they're working towards learning new, um, all of those different variety of skills that they can transfer to something else. Sure, and you mentioned the whole socialization aspect and that's something coming off of COVID that's, mm -hmm. I think, more important than ever. Yes, it gives everyone a reason to come back together as a whole. Absolutely. Now, I know that kids can volunteer, but I also know that there's some parameters around that. So can you talk a little bit about some of those details and ages yeah. and all of that? So with the Naperville Park District, any children that are 14 years old or younger must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. Um, and then anyone 15 or older uh, are able to volunteer on their own. We do have a lot of high school students that come in for community service mm -hmm. um, for part of an organization that maybe they're part of at school. Um, and then we also have um, volunteer opportunities for seniors, um, as well as the younger kids. So we do have some Girl Scouts and Boy Scout groups that come in and do small activities in our parks, like planting seed bombs. Okay. Um, and then we also have some opportunities for seniors, like running our family bingo or um, being the face at our customer service desk. So we do have opportunities for everyone. That's excellent. And I like that, that it really runs the age gamut. And I've heard that the seniors are a pretty vibrant volunteer kind of community. Is that something that you've seen? Yes, we do have a lot of um, retired um, 
active older adults that come through, um, whether it's with their um, organization that they're part of after retirement and they come as a group to volunteer in our parks, um, or we do have individual opportunities, as I mentioned, at the front desk or running bingo, and then of course participating in those programs too. In my opinion, Naperville has always been a community that's been grounded in volunteerism. So what are some of the ways that communities like Naperville benefit from that spirit of volunteerism? As I mentioned before, I think it really brings the community together, whether that's um, something like beautifying our parks and doing litter picking or planting in flower beds, um, supporting our local schools and churches and communities that are within the area. I think that's just something that brings everyone together um, and really exemplifies that spirit of volunteering and giving back to the community. And that's amazing to see. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Becca. I've really enjoyed discussing all the benefits of volunteerism and how it can impact a wonderful community community like Naperville and beyond. That's it for us today. Thank you for joining me and I look forward to seeing you next time on Park It. We have so many wonderful opportunities to give back to Naperville. I encourage all of you to search them out and get involved. Next we're heading to downtown Naperville with Daniel Tofano to see what products got the judges tails wagon and another around downtown. it's any surprise people love their pets I think it's safe to say that I love my dog Clark more than I love most people when I adopted him a couple years ago I remember doing hours and hours of research trying to find out the best food to put in his body all while I was eating chips and salsa myself for dinner but it's great to have a resource like two Boston's here in downtown Naperville to help us make those decisions on healthy food to put in our pets so we're here to talk to Adrian and Andy more about that So for protective pet parents like me, trying to find the best food for my pet, my dog Clark, what are some of the factors that go into choosing pet food? Sure, so first of all, I love that you want to be protective and make sure that you have the best for Clark. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Those are the exact type of pet parents we want to work with. Mm -hmm. um, and Danielle, honestly, there's so much conflicting information out there. Come in and talk to us and what we are going to do, we're going to make sure that your dog absolutely loves their food and that they're thriving on it. So those are the two biggest things that we want to do. But imagine they're a lot like people too, like everybody's different. Everybody's diets are absolutely. different, taste buds are different. Yes. Um, so when it comes to somebody that might be stuck on a certain pet food, they're very loyal to a certain pet food, are there th certain things that you can suggest to add to the bowl? Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So there are all sorts of things that we have that you can just add super easily mm -hmm. that's going to boost that bowl. So even if you're feeding um, just a regular you know, food uh, that maybe your dog's been on for quite some time, that's not an issue. Mm -hmm. You can come in, we can um, show you all sorts of things like bone broth or goat's milk. We have different elixirs that we like to, to call them. It's fresh food for your pets. And I think that that's a really important point is that while we don't believe that every pet has to only eat fresh food, the more fresh food that they can get in their diet, the healthier they're gonna be. There is a whole lot of information out there in the world and it's hard to decipher what I should believe and what's a myth. What are some of the biggest myths with pet food? Sure, that's a really great question because there are definitely some big myths out there. The first one being that dogs need to have dry, crunchy food to keep their teeth clean. <laughs> and in reality, it's like us eating a dry bowl of cereal and thinking that that's good enough without brushing our teeth. Mm -hmm. So in reality, fresh food is actually going to be the best thing that you can do for their oral care. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The second one is just that 
a lot of people think that dogs need to be on the same exact food, meal after meal after meal, and it'll upset their tummies if, you know, they switch. And honestly, if you do rotate protein sources or different types of food, you're going to actually create a better, healthier gut, um, a better and healthier overall dog, and you're actually going to reduce the chances of them getting allergies to certain proteins. And when you switch around like that, do you recommend staying with the same brand, or is it okay to kind of branch off? Because you hear you should do one half cup with and slowly change right. over. What do you People have way too many rules. You, <laughs> you can do whatever feels good for you. All the food that we carry is designed to be mixed and matched. So we have some customers who may, they may be on a beef kick, and they may go from one brand to another brand, or they may just stay within one brand and switch proteins. Either way is fine. When you're hearing little grumbles too, that's the dogs. It's not anybody's <laughs> tummy, but I think that they might be a little hungry. First, before we move on to our taste test, we talked a lot about dogs and their tummies. What about cats? Oh yeah, actually everything that we know about dog food and how important it is to have high moisture in their diets, to feed a high quality food, is actually even more important for cats. Got it, yes. okay. Well, we've learned a lot. I think it's time to put our money where our mouths are. We have our two contestants here for some taste testing. Are you guys ready? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right, let's do it. And round one, here we go. Release the beast. Right. What do we have here? We've got either the, the raised right meat bites, which is just 100% liver. That's the one he went for first. This happens to be beef, but it also comes in four varieties. And then normally his favorite are these wild weenies, which this one is the bacon flavor, which I mean, come on, bacon, right? I know. Um, and I don't know, even know if he can see it. <laughs> there you go. So. I think both of those are winners. <laughs> he liked to try something different this yes, time. All right, right, round one, winner. Round two, here we go. Release the beast. And in this oh. round, we've got uh, either a freeze-dried <laughs> Northwest Naturals or a fresh food option, uh, which is also the salmon and whitefish. Um, sassafras appears to really like that freeze-dried. <laughs> I think if the bowl was bigger, she'd be gulping it right now. So, yeah, she's going for that. There you go. With that smushed in face, it's a little harder is to get there these a, little cups. Is there a taste difference for them? They're going to be exactly the same product, only the freeze-dried doesn't have any of the water in it, so it's safe to travel with. It's also really, really easy to crumble up and put on top of whatever type of food you feed. Well, looks like we have a winner here. Our third and final round. Let's go. So these are some great fresh food toppers. <laughs> uh, we've got the bone broth over here that she's going towards first. Tons of great healthy benefits uh, that bone broth provides for gut health and joint health and all sorts of stuff. And then <laughs> over here, we've got goat's milk, which is great for every dog and cat, just to get some good bacteria in their, in their guts. Um, and also <laughs> can add that moisture to the diet. Especially yeah. if you're feeding a dry food, we need to make sure that we add that moisture. She wanted to wash it all down yeah. with the goat's milk. <laughs> Yes. But it looks like we have a winner for this round. Well, this has been great. I learned a lot about what I should be feeding my pet, things to keep in mind um, with the food that I'm putting um, inside my pet's body. Thank you, Adrian and Andy from Two Boston's for joining us. Thank you. It's great having you. That sassy sure has a distinguished palate. Stay with us as we're coming back with more 630 Naperville right after the break. It's only Q4, Susan. We were there when your fourth cold brew felt like a heart attack. Cold brew has a lot of caffeine in it. We were there for that. Fair. And we're here for everything else. Here it's personal because we get to know you. Come explore downtown Naperville this spring with over 100 shops from national favorites to one-of-a-kind boutiques. 
It's the premier shopping destination in the western suburbs. Enjoy over 50 restaurants for carryout, delivery, and safe dining. Or relax at one of our many spas. For a night away, don't forget about Hotel Indigo, located right on the Riverwalk. Come shop, dine, stay, and explore downtown Naperville. Welcome back to 630 Naperville. I'm joined now by Anita Knotts of Lotus Women's Institute. Anita, it's great to see you again. Great to be here, Joe. Thank you. You know, we're heading into graduation, and I'm curious on how we might prepare our kids financially for their future. I recently read that the United States rank, ranks 14th when it comes to literacy compared to the entire world. You know what, Joe? I'm not surprised by that statistic. Think about it. In our own homes, how often do we actually talk to our kids about the concepts around financial literacy? We're real good about encouraging them to get a part-time job, earn some money, save up for that latest iPhone version, right? But not so much about spending smartly. So yeah, high school seniors are about to graduate, and I think the best gift we can give them is the gift of financial literacy. It's the gift that keeps on giving. So I think before we go on, let's define this. What is financial uh, literacy and why should a student even care about this? So financial literacy, very simplistically, is the ability to learn how to make informed decisions about money, okay? Real simplistic definition. Why should a high school student care? Well, think about it. If we don't teach them to care about their own financial security, they can't expect to have others bail them out as they're adults making very poor financial decisions. In this conversation, we're just talking about high school seniors, but I would actually argue that even with kids in grade school, you can start talking to them about really basic money concepts, right? If they're old enough to get an allowance, they're old enough to learn about saving, spending, maybe even investing. That totally makes sense. So there's obviously a lot of parents watching this now, and I bet if they're like me, they're struggling to find the right time or find the right way to have this conversation. What yes. tips would you give them? Well, the key is to not make it overwhelming for you or for the child, right? So maybe break it up into individual buckets. Maybe one bucket is just budgeting. What money is coming in? and what money is going out. And then as they're growing older, start sprinkling in topics like investing, how to use a credit card, right? And also feel free to show examples from your own life. Maybe if you and your partner decide to redo the whole kitchen this year, maybe this is not the year to take that family trip to Europe. So it's all a concept about zero sum. If we're going to do this, we can't do this. It's all about discipline. You mentioned investing, and I'm trying to think back as an 18-year-old, yeah, is that too complex? Great question, and absolutely not. 18-year-olds can actually open their own investment accounts, right? They can start investing in stocks, mutual funds. The whole point is to get them started early enough so that they're developing the discipline, the habit, the intellectual curiosity that's required when you're investing. And I always say, you cannot save your way to long-term wealth. You have to start investing. Well, I like that. So I know from my experience now as, as a parent, my daughter is already asking about a credit card and she's 12 years old. So I know this, is, this problem and her uh, ambition to get a credit card is only gonna grow. Yeah. What advice do you have for parents to handle that situation? Well, 
12 might be too young, but I do recall as I was entering college, I was armed with a credit card. And the better way to say it is probably armed and dangerous. So before we send our kids into the real world, um, it might not be a bad idea to add them to your account just so they're developing safe spending habits using a credit card, but they're also building a credit history, which takes some time to develop. So I think it's a good idea before they leave the house. That makes a lot of sense. This is obviously great information, and there's a lot more I know where, it com where yes. this is coming from. Yes. What other tips would you give the audience? So, Joe, what you don't want is to have this be an overwhelming topic for parent or child. So I would summarize it with three Ds, dialogue, discipline, and dangers. You want to start the dialogue early so that they learn to be financially prudent, right? You want to start them with the discipline of building good financial habits over time. The dangers can actually apply to both parent and child. The child, obviously, if they don't learn the good habits, they can learn a lot of bad pitfalls over time, right? But for the parent, if you don't engage in some of these um, helpful concepts in financial literacy with your child, you could have a 40-year-old living in your basement. So best to start early. I love it. The three Ds. It's always great to see you, Anita. Thanks so much for being on the show. Likewise. Thank you, Joe. Now let's head out into the field and hear more about a local athlete in another edition of Sports Story. A lot of us picked up new hobbies with all the free time we had during the pandemic. Baking, gardening, crossword puzzles. And then there's Dr. Doug Tran, an internist at Edward Hospital, who not only joined a CrossFit gym, but went further and became a world-class Olympic weightlifter. My journey started uh, around COVID with uh, COVID uh, quarantine for weightlifting. and. Yeah, I started working out here when we were on uh, lockdown. Uh, the gym owner was nice enough to let me come in, lift on my, uh, on my own without anyone around so I wouldn't get infected. You know, it starts with any kind of uh, initial exercise, um, you know, journey. And uh, the realization that I need to kind of practice what I preach and uh, get out there and start uh, working out and eating better. As I fine-tuned my um, exercise, uh, weightlifting um, became a passion because I was getting good at it. <laughs> Good is an understatement. He was encouraged by a coach to try a competition for fun and ended up qualifying for Masters Nationals. There he won a bronze medal in the 50 to 54 year old age group and qualified for the 2022 Pan American Masters in Puerto Rico. However, he elected to forego that competition this year in order to be better prepared for next year's series of events. That's some goals that I'm gonna set for the next year, add on more uh, weights, get technically better, get stronger and hopefully compete again in uh, Masters National, have enough uh, weight total to compete at Pan Ams and potentially Worlds. Tran says that in addition to leading him to want to be healthier, this personal health journey has helped him better relate to his patients as they take on their own goals, even if those don't involve ending up on a podium somewhere. You know, they go hand in hand, I mean, for me. I mean, this is um, an, a, a gateway for me to talk, sit down and talk to my patients, um, explain what they may need do may need to do to ch to try to achieve their goals. They may not, you know, playing and bang weights. They we can try to find alternative um, uh, exercise and facilities. You know, not everyone's going to want to get into a, a CrossFit gym. For Tran, weightlifting provides adrenaline and a feeling of accomplishment that surpasses his medical work, a career he's been passionate about since childhood. And the joy it brings him, in addition to the way he feels it has made him a better doctor, 
are awards that mean much more than any medal he may go on to win. Yeah, I mean, I think it's 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 something that um, whether or not I achieve the, that goal or um, you know do well at, at Pan Ams or, or Worlds, that, that that journey, that experience, that uh, ability to work uh, work out and exercise when you don't want to work out and exercise, really just allows me to be able to keep keep in, keep grounded and, and understand what my my patients are, are going through as well. Reporting for Sports Story from Locked and Loaded CrossFit in Plainfield, Alex Campbell, NCTV 17. We were there when your kid discovered poison ivy. Now remember, leaves of three. Let it be. We were there for that, and we're here for everything else. Here, it's personal, because we get to know you. People from Chicago pull for Chicago. We root for his teams, celebrate his successes, push through its challenges. When people call us the second city, it's misleading. We're second to none. We're hardworking, resilient, but we have a good time. When you live in Chicago, you proudly call this home. Your bank should too. We're Wintrust, built here, for here. And we've taken our place at Chicago's bank because no other bank can say the same. I'm joined now by Dr. Kim, Pediatric Emergency Medical Director at Edward Hospital to talk about summer safety. Welcome to the show, Dr. Kim. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, Joe. So no doubt it's getting warm here and kids are excited. They're playing outside. What dangers should parents watch out for as it gets warmer, as it gets more humid in terms of the potential for heat stroke for their children? Okay, that's a very good question. Um, typically, uh, heat-related injuries happen at the beginning of the summer when they're experiencing the first uh, heat wave. It takes about eight to 10 days for a person to get acclimated to the hot weather. And uh, it happens usually in uh, very hot weather with uh, humidity that are very high. And uh, the reason why this happens is that uh, us humans uh, cool off by sweating. And if it's humid and hot, you can't actually uh, cool down, it interferes. Uh, so um, the things, the signs that we tell you to worry about are the different levels of heat injury. So the most um, mild is heat cramps. You'll have uh, muscle aches and uh, you'll um, uh, feel hot but you don't really have a fever and that can be treated at home. Uh, the ones that we worry about is heat exhaustion and heat stroke. So heat exhaustion is what we call moderate uh, heat injury, where they are very flushed and hot and they're profusely sweating, their uh, heart rate is uh, elevated, and they don't feel well. They're very lethargic and tired. These, most of the time, can be treated at home, but it can lead to heat stroke. Um, the, typically, we tell people with heat exhaustion to drink plenty of water, get into some place cool. Um, but if you have danger signs, you should go to the emergency room right away. Um, the, the heat stroke is what I really worry about, which is a fever of 104. They're very flushed and hot. A lot of times they can't sweat. They have a thready and an elevated pulse. They can have altered mental status, dizziness, vomiting, loss of consciousness. Those are the ones that we really worry about. That makes sense. So let's switch topics to water safety for a second. Okay. 
obviously the kids are also very excited yes. about the chance to jump in a pool. And I'm wondering like at what age should kids start to learn how to swim? Okay, that's a good question. So um, the AAP guidelines changed in 2019. Uh, they have recommended that kids as young as one year of age should start swim lessons. The skill-based uh, swim lessons, uh, they recommend that they start around three to five years of age. Um, the leading cause of injury-related death in children between one and four years of age is actually from drowning. So it's very important that swim lessons start as soon as possible. That makes sense. So kids are out swimming, they're enjoying the sun, they yeah. may get a little sunburn. Yeah. What are the best ways that parents can protect their kids from that? Right. Uh, the best way to protect your children from sunburn is actually sunscreen. So we tell them to use SPF 30 or higher. Uh, they should uh, apply it to their children 15 to 30 minutes before they go into sun. Uh, they should really reapply every two hours, and especially after they're sweating or they uh, come out of the pool. Um, and then uh, we encourage them to use things like hats, uh, UV protection, like sunglasses, and then most importantly, try to stay out of the sun between like 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. when the mm. sun is the strongest. Got it, that makes sense. So now they're out swimming and there's some bees, there's, there's some insects <laughs> yeah. that uh, maybe a kid gets stung. It's really hard as a parent to know when to take your child to the ER. What are some things you look for? Yeah, so I agree, Joe. So I have a lot of parents who come into the ER after a sting and they don't really need to be there. So they have a little bit of swelling, pain or itching, but that's okay. What we uh, worry about is the very, very rare occurrence of what's called anaphylaxis. This is like the worst type of allergic reaction that you can experience. And it actually involves the whole body. Uh, uh, most of the time what we worry about is the respiratory tract and the GI tract. Mm -hmm. So the following symptoms is when you should call 911 and come to the ER right away. So those are vomiting, uh, respiratory distress, wheezing, coughing, and older children might say, I, I, can't, I can't breathe, uh, my throat is tightening up. Those kind of symptoms require uh, treatment in the ER right away. And it does typically happen with um, the bees, the wasp, yellow jacket, and sometimes fire ants. That makes total sense. So changing topics a little bit, because I will not let my kids touch fireworks, uh, but a lot smart. of kids want to touch fireworks. So what advice do you have for parents around fireworks? The, the best answer I can give you is that um, with uh, fireworks, you really shouldn't let your children actually play with fireworks or use fireworks. That's the best advice I can give. But if you really do want to use fireworks, um, I have the following tips. Um, I would advise that no children under 12 actually handle fireworks. We should have an adult who is supervising the entire process. We should have a designated adult uh, uh, lighting the fireworks. Uh, it should never be pointed at another person. Uh, the fireworks should be on a flat surface with uh, no containers like uh, plastic, uh, metal, um, or glass. Uh, and then, um, you know, we really worry about firework injuries because there's over 90,000 uh, cases or injuries a year in the United States, and over half of them are actually occurring in kids under 14 years of age. Wow. Well, 
I, again, I'm not going to let my kids go around fireworks <laughs> and hopefully get them out of the ER. As much as I want to see you again, I don't want to see you there. We'll have you on the show again much before that. <laughs> but thank you so much for, for your tips and uh, getting us prepared for the summer. Thank you very much. Up next, NCTV 17 producer Kevin Maycheck is back with another gem. This one celebrates Naperville's spirit of volunteerism. The greatness of a community is most accurately measured by the compassionate action of its members. In Naperville, there are so many volunteers who put their compassion into action every single day. Take for example, those at Loaves and Fishes exercising their empathy for others by helping to provide food for families. Or those who help the Park District keep our parks clean. Then there are those who give up their time at animal shelters and care for the many animals awaiting their forever home. That same volunteer spirit has kept history alive for the past 50 plus years as volunteers came together to form the Naperville Heritage Society in the late 1960s. To this day, costume volunteers greet guests at Naper Settlement to continue to educate individuals and families on the city's earliest days. And it's volunteers who built the iconic Riverwalk in the 80s, which now welcomes thousands of visitors each year to downtown Naperville. NCTV 17 is honored to share the countless stories of so many people giving of their time and talents, and that's why volunteerism shines among our 2022 list of Naperville gems. Muhammad Ali said, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. I think that spirit is alive and well in Naperville. Now that's all the time we have for today, but remember, if you think you can do more, you can. I'm Joe Chura, and I'll see you next time.